All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I want to go ahead and introduce our speaker for this morning. It's um, John and Louise Bubin. They have been here at Faith Church for about 24 years, and they've lived in Indianapolis about a year longer than that. Um, you might have seen them volunteering around church in various ways, as John is a deacon and um, he is often ushering and he's involved in the men's Bible study. And Louise has been a uh, longtime volunteer with the children's ministry. John is a college professor of chemistry and Louise is a home manager and has been a substitute teacher. They have three children, five grandchildren, and in their spare time, John enjoys chess and Louise enjoys gardening and playing the flute. So before they come up here, I'm gonna say a quick word of prayer for them. So, Heavenly Father, just want to thank you so much um, for the boobins and for uh, being willing to speak this morning, God. I just pray you would um, uh, give them the right words to say and, and speak through them, Lord, and, and um, thank you for their willingness to share with us how you've been involved in their life, Lord, and how they've seen you at work over the years. Um, I pray you would just open our ears, open our hearts to hear what you might have to say to us this morning. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Come on up. Well, good morning. Uh, we are the Boobins, and thank you for coming uh, to hear our faith story. When Anne Marie invited us to share our faith stories, we chose a date and a theme and were anticipating our presentation, but then life became incredibly busy for me. The month of June was consumed with helping my mom travel from her home in South Carolina to various family visits and various family events. The end of the month, she and I traveled back to her home and spent a week getting her resettled there. So John was so gracious to write our faith story, and he even included me in it. <laughs> so today he will read it, but I will be available for discussions afterwards. As Anne-Marie mentioned, uh, we've been coming to Faith Church now since uh, 1995, so I think it's 24 years. Um, and we, uh, we were Christians for some time prior to that. Most of what uh, we will share today will, be, will pertain to our experiences since we've been part of this congregation. In many ways, I would characterize us as regular Christians. Uh, well, we have a home, we work, uh, we attend church regularly on Sundays to worship and serve, you know, kind of regular stuff. Uh, we're not missionaries, although we have learned a lot about missions during our time here. In some ways, our lives might seem boring to some, but we have been both happy and blessed. And I would think that many of you are also regular Christians. And so we can ask the question, well, what is our purpose? Is, uh, what should one's life look like? And so I'm going to start with that question. What is our purpose? What's our purpose for kind of the regular Christian? If uh, we, we could have a good discussion on this in here, it would be a good class thing. And uh, 
I, I would think that uh, in a short bit we would con come up with some things like this and we could add to this list, but uh, certainly these three items are kind of key for uh, Christians in general. Uh, I'm going to focus on that third one, uh, to build up the body of Christ. Um, that, that sort of fits with our theme. And so uh, one purpose, not, not the purpose, but one purpose in the Christian life is to encourage and build up one another in the body of Christ. And that, uh, this uh, key piece is uh, uh, Scripture gives uh, uh, credence to it uh, from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And his gifts were given for the building up of the body of Christ. So this verse does mention spiritual gifts and uh, that we should use them for one another. Um, and so, again, spiritual gifts could be another very fruitful uh, discussion topic in a uh, Sunday school class. Um, and we're not going to deal with this topic directly, but as we share about our lives, I think that you'll find that spiritual gifts will be a backdrop in some of the things that we've been involved in. And also, I think uh, as a result, you'll see that God sometimes does bring surprises into our lives. So we're going to go back to 1995 uh, uh, when we first started here. Uh, and these were our children at that time, uh, Daniel, Philip, and Julia, and their ages uh, in 1995 are given there, uh, Daniel 15, Philip 11, Julia 8. Uh, we were involved in many activities, like many of you are. Uh, one of them was camping, and uh, this was a couple of few years later, uh, a little older. Um, we did camping as a family uh, a couple times a year. For those of you who are parents, uh, you already know that job number one um, is to raise your kids in the Lord. Uh, we were intentional about this. Uh, we even read and discussed a book about passing on the faith. We were committed to Christian education and were able to send our children to Christian schools. But we parents are ultimately responsible to teach our children. And certainly a key verse uh, with respect to that is this one. That, and these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I think in many ways we did live out these verses. Uh, the Word of God was important to us. Uh, we uh, had supper together almost uh, every day. We didn't always talk about spiritual things, but sometimes certainly we did. Uh, as far as uh, talking about them when you go about, uh, Louise uh, did a lot of that. Uh, she taught our children a lot of hymns, um, songs, uh, verses, as, as she drove them about to school and back into various activities. And I do think we did model the Christian life in the way that we lived. And we're blessed in that all three of our children are walking with the Lord and are living for him. We know that doesn't always happen, and so we are thankful. And it's not all on us. I would have to say that I failed at family devotions. So um, it just wasn't. But 
And so I am particularly glad for other means of Christian education. But as I think about raising our kids, there would be just a couple of things that, you know, what points would I make? One is that we made church a priority. You know, Sundays is the Lord's day. And so uh, it's, uh, we made attending um, uh, church each Sunday a part of our life. That was just part of what we did. And then one activity that we did that proved to be, I, I think, uh, quite beneficial in, in the long run was uh, we developed a set of family memory verses, um, uh, basically to memorize one verse from each book of the New Testament. Um, and, uh, and we all worked on that. Uh, it would take years to actually get through that. I think the first year we, we, we did the Matthew verse, Mark and Luke verses we got. The first, uh, Julia was kind of small yet then. And then uh, the next year we added a few more. And then it kind of got fun because as we would travel about, then we could kind of review and say, okay, you, got to, you do the Matthew verse and then the Mark verse and the uh, Luke verse and go around. And then on the return, we would just switch up who starts that order. And uh, so that family, um, uh, that verse from each of the New Testament books would be uh, beneficial for us for many, many years. Many of you know that Louise has been part of our children's ministry program now here for many years. Um, her specialty is teaching the threes. And I have helped in there uh, on occasion, and I can say that she's good at it. Uh, and also, I'd like to thank uh, the many who regularly help with that group. Uh, I think in particular, Beth Straw, Julie Foster, and Rachel Schloniger, but I know there are others. Um, and uh, th there are a number of challenges when you are involved teaching these little tykes. It's kind of fun. <laughs> it's a challenge. Louise has a good technique. So how does one get started teaching children? Um, well, this is Louise's resume in a sense. Um, and as you look down through some of these, and I'll go over them briefly, uh, uh, I'm sure that the Lord has used each of these uh, situations in her life to, to, to allow her to become effective in the ministry that she's been called to here. And, but what's also cool about this list is that it, it gives us and you a, a glimpse of her early Christian life. And so I'll, I'll briefly go through it. Uh, she does have a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from the University of Cincinnati and certainly that set a, a, a teaching foundation. But during that time at uh, UC, uh, she became a Christian um, uh, in, in that time. Uh, when she graduated, she joined with a uh, inner city Christian group within Cincinnati uh, called Cure. And so she was involved at least two years, two or three years in that. And uh, they did a lot of Bible uh, clubs and camps and so she was involved with neighborhood kids a lot and uh, certainly learned a lot of things about um, teaching children uh, hands-on uh, through that. Um, thirdly, uh, she did teach at a small uh, Christian school in Cincinnati, first and second grade for two years, uh, and it was during that time that we were married. Um, and then uh, our own children came and uh, so many years uh, Louise was involved in teaching, not like some of you with uh, where, where you um, 
homeschool, but uh, just teaching in general for many years. And then now here at Faith Church, um, she's been involved uh, numerous years. So that's kind of the list. When I think of children's ministry, what, what, what verse do you think of? Actually, this is the one that came to my mind. And uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And uh, many of us would say, hey, wait a second, uh, that's the Great Commission. Uh, that verse is for missionaries. Um, and yeah, we focus on the front part of that verse, but right smack in the middle there and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, teaching is a major part of the Great Commission. And so children's ministry is part of the Great Commission. Um, and if you'd like to get involved in that, uh, get involved in children's ministry and, and the Great Commission in that sense of it, uh, you know, you don't need a, a Bachelor of Science in Education. Um, uh, you can be a regular person. You know, Jack Mail and I help <laughs> with third and fourth grade. Jack's a doctor, you know, <laughs> he does well. Um, uh, you know, uh, we get to work alongside some really excellent teachers. So uh, if you have a nudging that way, just check with Kendra Carter. Sometimes when you've done things for a while, unexpected things will arise. And here are several events that, uh, uh, that Louise has uh, been involved in that were somewhat unexpected. I don't know about the first one. Maybe the first one wasn't all that unexpected, but it surprised me a little bit when she, when she told me she was going to be uh, assistant director to Ann uh, one year, and I don't know how many years she was an uh, assistant. But uh, the others certainly were unexpected and were challenges. Uh, uh, she did lead uh, uh, a, a turkey ministry team uh, uh, for children's ministry in 2016 and also to Italy last year. Uh, and I can tell you these were stretching experiences for her. Uh, and uh, then the last one, uh, interim children's director uh, for about five months uh, when Ann retired and before Kendra came on. And I know that was a stretching experience for her. But these are examples of God bringing opportunities and, and basically saying, huh, um, you're willing. And, and, you know, Louise's response, well, yes, Lord, what would you have me do next? Um, so. I'm going to turn to my side of it for a bit. Uh, I became a Christian through the ministry of the Navigators at Penn State. Um, and surprisingly, you know, as I looked at the dates, it's, it's actually going to be 50 years this fall that I've been a Christian. Um, uh, and through that ministry, I, I began to grow rapidly in my faith. Uh, we learned many biblical principles, and this one was one of them. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Some of my friends that were involved with the Navigators <clears throat> were called into full-time, excuse me, 
were called into full-time Christian ministry. Um, and that was always exciting. You know, they're going to go here or there. Uh, I never got that call. And, and early on, I sensed that I would not. I, I sensed that the Lord would have me earn a living. Um, and when you work, you gain resources. And then you need to manage those resources. And so giving's a part of that, um, as this verse might suggest. As the Lord gives, we are to honor him with what he gives. Um, and there's, a, pro, uh, there's a, a promise associated with that. He promises his blessing. Um, I started giving uh, certainly to, to the church, uh, you know, back there in State College, Pennsylvania, you know, we, where I attended, and also to NAV staff early on. This is, you know, part of what you do as a Christian. You, you do that. Uh, and that has continued through all these years um, uh, since. And I would say that perhaps uh, this aspect of stewardship and resources is uh, perhaps the uh, most significant way that the Lord has used me. And I would say that certainly it has been a great blessing to me and to us uh, as well. And our church is known uh, for giving. And many of you, many of you are involved in that. Um, and so we don't hear very many sermons about giving. Um, uh, so I'm going to take a, a little bit here and use this opportunity to share a few points about giving. First, a little background. I want to tell you about a building project, and it's not our ambassador's project here, which is certainly looking very nice. Um, but I'd like to tell you about a building project uh, many years before, a uh, little Baptist church in State College, Pennsylvania, in 1975, I believe was the date. Um, uh, I, I, had, I was out of school, I graduated, and I was involved, uh, I was working, uh, and also I was still involved a little bit with the Navigator ministry there. Um, uh, and many of us students would attend this little church, and, and they were very, uh, you know, that was part of their ministry to uh, uh, help uh, college students in worship and stuff. Anyhow, they, they had a, a small building project. Oops. <clears throat> and that was, uh, they were just adding one room. They, they needed additional Sunday school space, so they're going to build one room and uh, uh, just extend the, the amount of space they have. So uh, not, not an extensive project. I, I don't remember what it was, maybe $20,000 to build one room. Uh, but they, you know, kind of like us, didn't want to go in debt, and so uh, are going to raise within the congregation. It was a much smaller group than, than at Faith here. Um, and they did it right. Uh, I think t for the two weeks before kind of their, uh, their project, uh, we did Bible study in Sunday school on giving. And uh, what I took out of that was this verse. Um, uh, as, as we studied about giving, um, verse 8 particularly uh, struck me. That this says each one of you should... Give as he has made up his mind, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. Verses 6, uh, well, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 are key chapters on giving. <clears throat> if, if you study stewardship giving, 
they will, they're, they're major chapters, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and in chapter nine, as I have it here, verses six and seven are the key ones. They're the ones that are quoted a lot. <clears throat> he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And then verse seven, each of you should give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And those are really important verses, and those are the ones that are cup, come up front. But it was verse 8 that really just caught me. Um, and God is able to provide you with every blessing and abundance. It was the last part of that that really struck me. And it says, so that he may provide in abundance, so that you may provide for every good work. And I remember thinking, really, Lord? You can provide for every good work? Well, over the years, little by little, our giving has increased. And many times, as we have given, God has given back so that we've had more to give. And that has continued. And so we've been able to provide uh, support for many good things in the Lord. And so I can look back now with some perspective at this verse. And look at the date, it's 1975, so you go 75, 85, 95, 2005, 2015. So that was over 40 years ago, the Lord put that on my heart. And I'll tell you, for me, I can say with conviction that that verse is absolutely true. The Lord has given us in abundance to give. Just a few points on giving, if you'll permit me. First one's not on this slide. Whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, we are stewards of what God has given us. And we're to use it well. And there's lots of things that we have to use it for, and there are biblical principles for that. And so uh, that's an area that is a fruitful study. But I'm going to just focus on the giving part. We are to to give part of that back to the Lord. And generally, we start with a tie. That's generally what is taught, 10% of what you take in, give back to the Lord. It's a good principle. Many practice it, we have. And, uh, um, and again, generally, that first 10% you give back to your local church. It's where you're worshiping, where you're uh, getting most of your teaching, and so that's probably a good uh, rule of thumb. But then sometimes the Lord provides more, or you're in a situation to do that. Um, and then you can give to other things uh, and to other ministries. And certainly here at Faith Church, we are blessed with many, many missionaries that we know and that are among us. And uh, we have opportunities to support them. But I want to point out that between points one and two can be many years for many it's a faith step to give 10% of what you have. Uh, but I would encourage you to, to work toward that. And then beyond that, just allow the Lord to lead you and see how he might bless. When you're giving to other things, uh, uh, I've learned about both long-term and short-term giving. Uh, most of what we did, particularly in the past, and it continues, has been long-term giving, where you support uh, a missionary or a ministry on a monthly basis typically. Uh, we've been doing that for with a number for many years both within Faith Church here and, and also apart. Um, 
And that's always a blessing. You are part of their ministry. You are partnering with them. And I can tell you that monthly giving support is a, a lifeblood to missionaries, those faithful supporters. But there's only so much you can support. You've got to budget that in. And so uh, uh, if you can't do that, short-term uh, giving is also a very viable way of supporting the Lord's work. Uh, as he puts on things on your heart, you have a little bit of extra, go ahead and give them. Pray and give. Now, one does have to, um, it requires discernment. We get lots of mail, about this ministry, that ministry, a lot of them go into the tr trash. It's, it's those that the Lord puts on your heart. Final point, never give to get. Again, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, uh, 6, 6, that's the one uh, he who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly, and so forth. That verse has been used, uh, misused, to manipulate people. And um, uh, uh, keep it simple. When you give, just give to the Lord. Don't expect anything back. Uh, just view it this way. We are stewards for the Lord. We're giving to him. Let him use it. But if you do, don't be surprised if he will give back. Uh, and you might have more to give. And then basically you're in a situation where you can begin to recognize that you are the Lord's steward. He's giving you resources to distribute as he would have you. Just one small example I'll give for that. Let's say you've done your taxes and you get an $800 tax refund. Um, maybe, uh, you know, you don't have anything where that is pointed. You know, just keep 400 for yourself or whatever, and then ask the Lord how you might use that other $400. Where? Or might that be? Uh, we've often split that between two, sometimes three ministries. And you know, it can be a, con a kind of a very fun way to be a steward. I'm gonna turn back to Louise. And uh, again, our topic is, so how might God use me next? And uh, some new things for Louise. Shown here are two pictures that illustrate two new roles that the Lord has called Louise into in this past year or so. The picture on the right is uh, uh, she and her, her mother, and I'm going to talk about them secondly. And on the left is a, uh, a young teenager at, at T. Uh, she, she started, well, actually, she completed her first year at, at Pike High School uh, this past year. What is unique about T is that she and her family are refugees from Burma. And Louise was introduced to T by Bob Aram uh, through his contacts with FIAC. Um, this past fall, T was headed to, into Giant Pike High School, and we thank the Hannams for their assistance with that as well. Um, it was a scary situation for that family. First of all, her mother is incapacitated. Her father speaks no English. Um, this is a major transition. And there's papers to fill out. There are meetings to attend. There are many questions to deal with. And what do you do if you're in that sort of situation? So, a lot, so some help was needed for this transition into Pike. 
Louise had started by giving, giving weekly piano lessons to T. And this expanded into helping with this transition into high school. And then further, uh, by mentoring her within what is called the Starfish program that includes occasional projects and outings. Now, I can tell you, they interact almost daily, and sometimes it's multiple times a day. And in a lot of ways, Louise is a foster mother. And she's gotten to know the family, uh, T's family, and actually uh, many of these refugees have a considerably extended family. And as you get to know them and you're in their home, one learns and sees just there are so many other needs as well. And so she has been able to help on several occasions with medical and other family needs. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> <It's> <clears throat> it's been a very rewarding way for her to serve. On the right is a picture of uh, her mother, uh, uh, Caroline, uh, my mother-in-law, is, is now 92. Uh, she's been a widow for two and a half years. Uh, and Louise has started to go down to South Carolina much more frequently since her father passed away. Um, but this last year, she's made even more trips down there uh, since her mother is a little less capable uh, than in the past. And um, she's been involved in lots of activities, but the uh, key one is involved in including uh, cleaning up the attic, which <laughs> was three trips to take care of this, and it's not done yet. It's just a giant task. Um, and then there were many repairs in, in these three things. First, the dishwasher broke down, then the phone didn't work, and, and this last one is the air conditioning went out. Um, and so she's been involved in just helping all of those, and then many, just many, many other things. Uh, as she mentioned, uh, these past four weeks, she's been with her mother extensively, um, and uh, we're thankful that things seem to be settled there for the time being. <clears throat> Louise's involvement in both of these situations might be uh, considered, as I have it titled up there, serving others. And when we serve others, we are following the model that Jesus set in Mark 10. <clears throat> For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving others takes much time, and sometimes there are times of service <clears throat> that, where things are overwhelming, and I know she's expressed that to me. Uh, there are also many times when it's frustrating uh, and then there's more time that you have to spend. It's just lots of time. It's helpful to know when you're in that situation that uh, Jesus also came to serve. But as this verse mentions, he also came to save, and that's something we can't do, only he can. But um, uh, when you serve, sometimes the opportunity opens up to share about the gospel. And uh, Louise had the opportunity to share the gospel message with T. Uh, several months ago, and she prayed to receive Christ. For most of us men, our work is extremely important. Those of you who know me probably know that I teach at Marion University, and I've been doing that now for 18 years. 
But as this slide says, it wasn't always that way. Um, and for much of my adult life, I never thought that I would be a teacher. Um, and so I'd like to share with you, hopefully briefly, about that story. A key verse for this uh, is one of my favorites, uh, Psalm 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And um, if you don't know, do know. The Lord's eye is on you, and he'll direct you if you look and ask. I, back in the 90s there, uh, when we came, I was a research scientist for Eli Lilly. Uh, that's what brought us to Indianapolis, and believe me, at that time, uh, I was at the height of my career. Um, been there for about four years, an important meeting came up about a key uh, discovery project that, we, that I was involved in, and uh, I was called to go to Greenfield, which was where the toxicology facilities were, um, to help with a presentation about this project. And uh, I don't know, as I drove over to Greenfield, you go on I-70, drop down uh, to um, Route 40 and then over to Greenfield, uh, that drop down is Mount Comfort Road. Uh, it's about two or three miles just south. And uh, I don't know, I, I was driving and the Lord just put it, um, just moved me to pray. And I prayed, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, like be a scientist, then, then you change it. And I don't know, I, I prayed it, I guess I meant it. And the Lord did it. It was the next day, it was virtually 24 hours after that prayer, I was called up to my boss's office. And he told me that I was being taken off that project. And that was a shock, it was just a big shock. Um, and then it got a little worse. Uh, several months later, the performance evaluations came up and I was put on probation. And hey, I had had a good year, Lily. I, it was a good year. I hadn't done anything wrong, but it was associated with the politics of project and stuff, and well, such it was. Um, and so the next six months uh, were kind of up and down, good things and then not so good things. But I, that verse kept perking in my mind. I'd prayed, and it seemed like maybe the Lord was changing things. And so mindful of that, um, and there's more about this than I'll say, but uh, I voluntarily resigned from, from Lily. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, we had talked, and uh, at that time, our children were not of the time to, to leave schools. We were in, and so we, we definitely were planning to stay in Indianapolis. And uh, so I began to explore other job opportunities. And right from the beginning, God began to move me uh, towards something I never expected, and that was into teaching. Um, and it was a rather dramatic process. Uh, uh, as I have it here, God's step-by-step -step leading. Uh, I could spend a whole hour and go through those steps. Uh, they were just, but uh, we won't do that. I'll just mention a couple. Probably it was about step four or five in this track, but I had, uh, I called a, uh, a, a professor down at the University of Indianapolis, uh, Dr. Joe Burnell, and just to inquire about possible part-time teaching opportunities at University of Indianapolis. Um, and he said, oh, sure, come join me for lunch and we'll talk. And so I went down there and 
we had a nice lunch together, he said, yeah, there's an opportunity perhaps for, um, for next, uh, the, the winter semester, uh, there, there's this chemistry course that we have an adjunct teach, and, and there might be an opportunity there. So that sounded good. But then as we were just finishing up, he said, you know, just this morning, I got an email from Marion College. They need someone to teach biochemistry. He said, can you do that? And I said, well, I think I can. Uh, I had some background in that. And so uh, we walked back to his office, and I'm thinking, Let's see, I've gone down to the University of Indianapolis to talk about a part-time teaching opportunity several months away, and he gets an email that this college that I'd never heard of uh, needs someone to teach right now. Um, so I took the information, I, I called, and uh, the next day, uh, I prayed, Lord, you know, this is what you want me to do. You make it clear. Um, I got a call from uh, Miriam, and the first words were, uh, Dr. Bubin, uh, at 8 a.m. this morning, we had someone to, to do this biochemistry course, but then at 9 o'clock, we discovered it would not work out. Would you please come talk with us? And so uh, I went there, we talked just a bit, explained things, they gave me the book and said, you start Monday. And that's, <laughs> that's how my college teaching career began. Now it wasn't necessarily smooth, I wasn't necessarily cut out to be a teacher, um, never thought I could do that. Uh, it would be two more years, two plus years of part-time teaching as I got started. And I did teach that one semester down at the University of Indianapolis, and it, <laughs> uh, yeah, wasn't the best. Um, but uh, those two years, I, I was involved a lot with Indiana Wesleyan. And I've lost my place. And I did learn a lot about teaching, and uh, after a couple of years, I did feel that I was ready to teach at the college level, and so 2001, I was hired to teach organic chemistry part-time. I was looking for full-time, but uh, Marion College had a part-time opportunity. I, I did take it, uh, they added to it, and uh, again, there's much I could say about this little segment uh, as I began to teach at Marion. Um, but eventually I was hired full-time, and then another step, eventually I was retained. It was not a given uh, to be an instructor there. Over the years, many times I have considered these two aspects of my career. Uh, my time at Lilly, five years, uh, my time at Miriam. And uh, I remember early on, uh, uh, I went to Indians, ball game down in Victory Field, and I like to sit in the, uh, kind of in the, down the third base line, and, and when you do, you look out over the stadium, and there's, there's the Lilly Corporate Center out over right field, and I'd kind of tweening a look at that and just, uh, yeah, I worked there, and uh, those first two years when I was just part-time stuff for, uh, uh, yeah, then a few more years after I'd been teaching at, at Marion for several years, full-time, 
And I looked, and it was much more balanced. You know, I'd say, well, okay, which, which was better? Was it there at Lily? Was it, it was pretty even. And would I trade? Uh, yeah, I don't know, you know. But I can tell you now, uh, it's a no-doubter. I have a lot of perspective. And teaching at Marion has been far better, far better. And it's been a perfect fit for me. And so I thank the Lord. Well, we're not done yet. Uh, this is one of our new venues of how God is using us. Uh, we are uh, uh, grandparents to five grandchildren. Uh, uh, we have Lydia and Bennett there, who are Philip's uh, uh, kids, and then uh, uh, Selah and Isaac and Judah, uh, Julia's uh, children. Um, and uh, so we're in that grandparent role now. Uh, also, uh, I am now on, uh, retirement is on the horizon for me, uh, Miriam, maybe a couple of years yet, that's kind of what I'm hoping, and so I, I really have no idea how God might use me uh, once I take that step. Um, so anyhow, I, that's our presentation. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll try to take uh, any questions that you have. Thank you. Our, our kids are so. Our oldest is Daniel. He's married to Kathy, and they are in Detroit. He uh, enjoys working for the automotive industry. Uh, Phil and Jessica live near Atlanta. He is uh, works in uh, special education in uh, second and third grade, and really loves the teaching. And Julia and David are in Valparaiso. David works in the, as a videographer and has his own business. And Julia works as a PRN, uh, which means in nursing, which means not officially part-time, but you know, as she can fit it in. So. When John started school in Cincinnati, he was looking for a church. And through a couple amazing situations, he found um, a small church near, uh, this, near the university where I was going also with while I was still in the inner city group. So that's officially where we met, really. So. Well, we met each other there, but then as we got to know each other, other people were involved and other groups were involved and other ac activities and stuff were involved. So he, um, as he mentioned, I work with kids in an in inner city group, and one of the guys that he got to know in that group invited him to come help be a part of a Bible club for kids. Yeah. And so we worked together with these um, inner city kids, and then the guy met, so left. So then it was he and I that were leading this group. So, right, I ended up 
helping. I was a college student, graduate student, and get roped down and going, teaching these little things. And uh, <laughs> that was my start in children's work. <laughs> yes, Andy. We went to, our family went to what we would call a mainline denomination church where they present many truths about faith, but where the gospel is not ever clearly presented as personal responsibility for sin. And so it was uh, through, that was a good background, but um, I came to know Christ through other individuals that I met, not necessarily a presentation of the gospel. And uh, as I've talked with my mom about faith, sometimes I think that, you know, we put Christianity in a box, it has to look like this, when a person may have a faith, but it's not expressed in the same way we would say it. So that's a possibility. It's still a journey. Maggie? That's touchy. <laughs> Certainly any time that we interact with them and it you know, we will bring up spiritual truths, but um, you have to pray a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think. Each of our kids have taken their faith in a slightly different direction. Uh, there are lots of ways to follow the Lord. And so, you know, you just have to be wise. No, there's no program, really. Yeah. Yes, Brooke. I'm not sure of the current sort of how you can express your faith that Marion, you know, originally was Catholic or was it originally? No, Marion is a Catholic uh, university. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. Well, the first, in the first few years that I was at Marion, I was pretty quiet about things, okay. Um, it's a Catholic school, um, but the, our president uh, is a man of faith, and I do believe he is a believer. Um, uh, and faith is valued. And uh, at our university, you know, for a long time, it was, it was, we were kind of half Catholic and half non-Catholic, and so that was understood. And, uh, the university does value faith, and so th th there are, um, I, I learned that, okay, you know, I can, I, I've tried some things, uh, Bible studies um, for uh, um, non-Catholics. Uh, so 
they value faith and they value my faith. And, uh, and what I've come to learn, um, again, the Satolas were here last uh, week and they presented about Catholicism within Italy. Um, and, and there are, Catholic, uh, Catholicism takes two venues. And one is kind of the old uh, that we would be concerned about. But at Marion, what I have come to learn is I do believe that many Catholics uh, and many probably progressive type Catholics within the United States, are, uh, many of them are believers. And so uh, I, I do feel that many within the uh, Marian community do believe in the Lord. Um, and so I've changed my view there, and I, I'm now viewing that as uh, that they're part of the body of Christ, and how can I uh, support that? Okay, Andy. Yeah, Louise has that, and we, we can provide that through to, to Anne Marie. And, 